to Off Trail Learning. This is Blake Bowles. If you are raised as an unschooler or a self-directed learner and you decide to go back to school, are you cheating? Are you doing something wrong? Are you somehow failing to, to uphold the mantle of the unschooler? No, I don't think so. Self-directed learning is about consent. It's about actively consenting to any educational situation that you put yourself in. And that means if you decide you want to go to school and you make a fully informed decision about it and it feels like it, it's actively serving you, then you can be a self-directed learner while still going to school. I, I don't think that the majority of young people in school are, are act, actually consenting to going to school, just for the record. I think that for the most part, uh, young people are forced to be there and if given the option to go to school or not go to school, most would just choose not to go to school. And so it's not really consensual. It's, you know, it's something that we just kind of force kids into doing because we believe they, they don't know what's best for themselves. Sometimes they don't, but I think more often than, than we give them credit for, uh, they do, and that it's just a really difficult problem for adults to figure out, uh, which is what to do with kids, how to help them learn and grow and develop skills, but not through this this kind of terrible school system that we've developed. So you can still be a self-directed learner and go to school. Uh, but that decision, that that moment when you're like, God, should I go back to school? Is this, you know, after I've tasted all this, this freedom and personal responsibility, is this the right thing for me? I think that's an interesting decision point right there. And so today I'm talking with a grown unschooler who recently finished college and who looks back at her time being raised as an unschooler and then making this the decision as a teenager to go back into school. Now, granted, she goes into a pretty cool, alternative, uh, like progressive boarding school, and it's got some very unschooly elements to it. But as you'll hear, it's still a school. And so what is it like to go back to school after you've been raised unschooled your whole life? That's what we're talking about today. If you know a young person who's also thinking about going back to school or leaving school in the first place, please send them this episode and send them to offtrallearning.com. I created this site for young people who are looking for options, and it will only spread with the help of people like you. And now, on to the interview. My guest today is Emma McCann, a 23-year-old grown unschooler and recent college graduate living in Hudson in upstate New York. Welcome, Emma. Hi. So we're going to talk about going back to school when you are raised as a homeschooler or unschooler. So tell us about your, the brief version of your education. Well, I was homeschooled from when I was born until, well, I did go to a preschool for a year. Um, uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You were totally, you were totally indoctrinated in that preschool year. I can see. <laughs> Self-doubt creeping in. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I was, uh, right, preschool, homeschooled until I think I was probably 11 or 12, read the Teenage Liberation Handbook, and then understood what more, what unschooling was, and then was, I guess, unschooled until I went to a small progressive boarding school in the Berkshires for 10th grade through 12th grade and graduated 
from that boarding school. And then I went to Bard College in upstate New York and went there for four years and graduated. And that's the formal, most formal part of my education. (laughs) (laughs) And what was your focus at Bard? I studied photography um, as my major and then took with kind of, they didn't offer minors, but if they did, I would have probably minored in French or French poetry. So you've had a a good taste of liberal arts, uh, private institutions, both as a teenager and then as a college student. Um, And so let's go back and let's dig into this homeschooling and unschooling just to have some context here. So you told me uh, before we started recording that you thought that you used the word homeschooling, what you and your family did up until age 11, but then also your mom read a lot of John Holt, the the founder of unschooling. And so you're kind of, you weren't really sure if whether you were doing what you were doing was homeschooling or unschooling. Uh, What did it look like up until age 11? Like what was a a day in the life of homeschooler Emma? Um, Well, I went to a homeschooling group uh, three days a week, which was kind of a, a sort of loosely structured group of maybe 12 kids. And we would hang out um, in the woods, basically it's called in the North woods. And we would do kind of, we would do creative art and mostly just running around and playing games. And I think more like relational education and like, how are you, how do you create like, small human that can, you know, interact in a loving way with other small humans and uh, connecting with place and environment and seeing songs and being around a fire and being in a circle and kind of those structures were like really informing. So those were like three days a week. And then the other days I would do um, some work at home with my mom so she had you know kind of a very loose curriculum of like math she was um went she was Waldorf educated so she did we did some kind of Waldorf inspired um math and drawing kind of stuff that was a little more structured and otherwise it was kind of like you know whatever I was interested in I was allowed to do so I read a ton um I would I did horseback riding. I did a lot of like lessons and kind of what you, I guess you'd call extracurriculars in the kind of formal school. Like music and sports. Yeah. Music. I never, my parents wanted me to be a musician so badly and I just couldn't, (laughs) couldn't cut it. I played guitar for a little while and I took piano lessons, but I just wasn't dedicated. So I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a a piano lesson dropout also. Exactly. So it sounds like you had a, I had to give it a formal title here. You had hybrid nature-based eclectic homeschooling unschooling. Does that sound roughly accurate? Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Great. Yeah, you should write a book with that title. <laughs> yeah, so that sounds like, yeah, it does not sound like you're doing school at home. It sounds like your mom had a, a few lesson plans for you, but you also had a lot of time to to design on your own. Yeah. Um Okay, and then what happened to, you mentioned that you read the, the Teenage Liberation Handbook by Grace Llewellyn, and what, what happened at that moment, at age 11? I think I kind of realized more what I 
how lucky I was to some degree because it was, I felt like, and actually I haven't read it in a long time, so I don't know what my perspective now would be if I read it again, but at, in that time I felt very much that it was geared or the, it was language in a way of like, you don't have, like, there's more. You don't have to, this isn't the only way to do what you want to do. And I was kind of like, whoa, like, I was never, like, I didn't know that there were people that didn't know that they could do this kind of thing. <laughs> so that was like big being like, oh, I'm actually really lucky, I guess, but I'm 11. So I don't really even understand that I'm, you know, it kind of like an interesting thing. And then kind of wanting to realizing how, how broad, um, how far reaching it was because it was a very kind of insular little community of homeschoolers that I was exposed to. And a lot of my other friends went to school. And so it was kind of a, a, a mix in terms of that and kind of seeing that there was hearing about not back to school camp. And um, my, one of my best friends growing up, her, her older brother, kind of was the one he was like a cool teenager and he was like showing us this like more badass way of like you know you could unschool like <laughs> it was gonna be really different it's like fl- really. flicking a cigarette you know uh, into the, yeah. the woods saying you can unschool <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. I, okay so it sounds like the teenage liberation handbook kind of gave you words or a, a mode of thinking about what you were already doing and, and the way you'd been brought up um, but but also made you realize that there was this this whole world of of other people kind of rallying around this term unschooling, uh, and is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And you went to not back to school camp. I did. I went for I went twice, two consecutive years. And how old were you? And what what was it like? How did it affect you? I was thirteen. Uh, the first year and 14, the second year. And um, it was, it was really, I still, um, one of the most amazing things that I still think about today, actually, I've been thinking about it a lot very recently was, I don't know if you call it an exercise, but the hug line. um, And you, every, every person at the camp hugs every other person at the camp. And it's very emotional and like very, moving moment and I think that that was one of the most actually significant events I don't know it's so significant to me now for some reason it's interesting that that's one of those things that really stuck with me um and also the sense that like I had friends it was the first time that I had friends kind of like all over the country all of a sudden that I was Mm. calling and talking to and um and and I think that it it felt like a kind of a, just an expansion of what I considered to be like my people, my tribe. Like I always felt that was something I was really lucky growing up. I, I wasn't, you know, an isolated homeschooler, unschooler. I I really was in community and in place, but I think that that really, it just really expanded that out into more of like a, Oh, this is this. Now I have friends in, you know, DC and, California and also people older than myself who really, because it was also, um, I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends older than me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And now I was like hanging out. Like I had, you know, people who were like 15, 17, 18, who weren't like making themselves. There was like a little bit of that age hierarchy, even 
you know, in my life that I experienced and I didn't experience it there at all. So that was, I think, a really sweet, sweet thing. Yeah. And, uh, and I was, uh, I think, an, an advisor there for at least one of the years that mm-hmm. we were there. And so yeah. we had a l- little bit of overlap there almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I never uh, went there as a young person. I only went there as an advisor, but I was also blown away. Just, it's funny that you mentioned that by that, that hug circle. I think it's called unconditional love, oh, uh, yeah. which is one of the, the evening hippie, uh, hippie bonding <laughs> events is how I described them to the outer community. And, uh, and that also affected me pretty deeply. I just had never experienced something like that. And uh, it was very moving. Yeah. So, so there with you. Um, okay. So you did unschooling as a teenager, ages 12, 13, 14. We're getting up to age 15 here. You'd been to not back to school camp twice. You've got this local community. Um, at what point did you start thinking, maybe I should go back to school? Well, I, so I also, so I had a homeschool, a friend who was homeschooled with me, um, and she and I were very close and she was feeling kind of a drought in her, um, community and I guess academically you'd say. So she was looking around at what schools, what alternative schools she could go to. And she was a year older than I was. And so she, um, applied and got accepted to Buxton um, for her sophomore year, or maybe it was her freshman. And Buxton School is the name of the, yeah, the boarding school in Massachusetts that you went to. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so she went her freshman year, and I went and visited her. Um, and I had, I think I had just been to not back to school camp, probably for probably for the first time actually. And I. I just remember like meeting this one kid and him reminding me so much of someone that I'd met at not back to school camp and just realizing like all of these teens, like living together and hanging out in the lounges and everything. I was just like, Oh my God, this is like not back to school camp, but like every single day, all like all year, like (laughs) I just want to do this. And Melody was there as my friend. And I just felt like, Oh, this is cool. And so then I actually had, I had a tutor um, who, whose kids went to Buxton. So that was another kind of like piece in the um, mm. support of me going was that, yeah, that was a piece. And so I applied and got accepted. And you started as a sophomore. I started as a sophomore, uh, yeah. So I think that's pretty entertaining that you went to not back to school camp and then you went immediately to the school and you're like, this is just like not back to school camp, but it's a school. I love it. And, uh, and it worked out. So yeah, that's just a funny twist. And uh, give us a little bit of an overview about Buxton. You told me that it's a pretty alternative school kind of f- flesh that out. What does it look like? Um, it's so it's very small. It's only 90 students in all four grades. Um, it's in Williamstown, Massachusetts, so it's right near Williams College, but it has a kind of a really beautiful campus um, in the woods, but it's, you know, pretty close to the town. And uh, it, it has a work program, which is twice a week. The students basically do all of the build na- building and, like, grounds maintenance and, like, chopping firewood and stuff. So oh, that cool. 
Yeah, that was like an aspect of of like really grounding and like, you know, this is our place. Like we're not just like, you know, so that was, that was different. And then, and also that whole program is run by um, the scene by two seniors. So it's very much a place where um, students are encouraged kind of like almost, you know, verging on required to really participate in their own education in a way that, um, that, you know, I don't know if that happens at other, in other contexts, but, um, in school, I mean, so that felt, that was like a very natural thing for me to slip into, but, and otherwise it's kind of like a a normal, like, you know, five days a week classes from eight to three or something. You have free periods, which you're allowed to kind of do whatever you want, you know, within reason and study hall. And it's pretty structured. Like they keep you, you know, throughout the day, like you have some, somewhere you're supposed to be most of the day, but, um, but also it never felt like, you know, you couldn't, I don't know, it never felt like you weren't in control of your, of your time or your education. A lot of electives, Mm -hmm. not a lot of requirements. Uh, so you, you were taking classes, uh, regularly but did you how much choice or autonomy did you have in which classes or which subjects you studied um i you had a quite a quite a bit of choice i think you you had to take you know there were there were things that you had to take to graduate you know like math certain number of math classes certain number of science classes cert, and you had to take an english class every single year um, and you had to take a certain number of classes per year, but you didn't, or I think you had, I think it was per semester, so each half year. Um, but you, I don't know, you, there were a ton of like, like really cool, almost college electives. Like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to remember any of the names right now. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, you know, just like really kind of like, like media studies and like interesting, like, you know, people, there were a lot of really young teachers who had just come from liberal arts colleges like Bennington and Bard who would kind of bring whatever they happened to be studying into. Mm. So it sounds like it probably wasn't rigor- rigorously subject-based. There might have been a lot of interdisciplinary classes or projects. Um, yeah. Kind of getting into the, the interesting, like maybe it was more real-world project-based instead of, um, you know, very narrowly academic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And even within the classes, it was very much, um, you know, you had a lot of kind of control in, in creating your, you know, your, your assignments or like there were, I don't know, I'm I'm having trouble explaining it, but it felt very, um, you had a lot of choice. Definitely. How many students were in an average class? Um, I'd say between, Eight and 15. Oh man, that is such a game changer just by itself. Like having such a small group with one teacher. Yeah. So it sounds like it was really community-based. It was really participatory. It was small, both in terms of the total size and the the class size and that they had academics, but it was really interesting academics and you had a a nice level of choice um, in, in your focus. Uh, so I, I can see why this might have appealed to you as a as a lifelong unschooler or self-directed learner. 
Uh, we better move on before this becomes a paid advertisement for the Buxton <laughs> School. Just Great to be place. clear, we are not accepting any sponsorship here. Um, okay, so whose idea was it to go to school? Was it your idea? Was it your friend's idea? Was it your parents' idea? I think it was pretty much my idea. I was like, I was like, Mama, maybe I could do this thing. And, and I think that it was definitely probably suggested, I don't, by my, my tutor as well, because she was like really into Buxton um, as, a, as a place. And my parents were pretty skeptical at first, um, mostly because it was a boarding school and also because it, you know, the idea of me going to school at all was not in their plan of what my education was going to look like you know, beyond like they thought maybe I would go to college, you know, once I, or community college at, for the end of high school, but they, they didn't, definitely didn't think I was going to go to boarding school. These kinds of situations just tickle me so much where you have parents who have done, you know, your mom probably did a ton of research to like craft this, this individualized academic or educational path for you. And then at age, you know, 14, 15, you're like, Hey, send me to school. I really insist. And she's like, what? Oh, I know. So, so what was her, uh, we, let's just talk about your parents in general. What was your parents' resistance to, uh, you mentioned that they were a little concerned about being a, a boarding school. Um, what else made them hesitate about this? Um, yeah, I think it was having me move so far away from them and not be living with them. What's kind of like, a shock, especially to my mom, because she and I spent so much time together, you know, more time than I think a lot of kids spend with their parents at that age. And then it was also, you know, the, the expense, I mean, my education wasn't free because I was homeschooled. So I was doing a lot of like a lot heavy extracurricular like activities, but you know, boarding school is not cheap. And then it was also just just, I think, wondering, like, putting my education totally into the hands of someone else, I think, mm. was mm-hmm. pretty scary for them. And I definitely think a huge factor in why they didn't put me into school originally was because they really felt like, you know, concerned, like, well, we don't know what this environment's going to be. We don't know what, um, you know, what is she going to learn, like, really wanting to have I think control is the wrong word, but, you know, wanting to really have a lot of influence in terms of like how I was going to be formed and shaped as a person socially and, you know, in terms of what I was learning and my subject matter and, and uh, who I was interacting with as, as mentors. And I think that, that the only reason really why they let go of that was because I think they felt to some degree like, okay, well, she's, you know, 14, she's 15, like, she's, you know, she's half formed. She's not like, you know, we've done a good job. So hopefully it's not going to be a disaster if she goes. And I think that they really did ultimately visit Buxton and see, you know, saw what a, what a wonderful place it was. And I think that they understood that I didn't want to go to a school just for the sake of going to school. I really wanted to go to this school, to this place. And I think Mm. that that, that they kind of bought into the, what Buxton was. And I, I think that if it had been, you know, more of a, you know, prep be really academic 
really strenuous. Like just to, if it had been a different place, I think it might have been a different story. Hmm. So it sounds like they bought in because you kind of did your homework. You chose a school that really ultimately did match in many ways these these values that I imagine your parents wanted to bring you up with. And and they visited it and they were they were sold on it. So it, how long did that period take? That that convincing period. I don't remember exactly. I I'm pretty good at convincing my parents things. I think so. It felt, I never. <laughs> That's like, a valuable skill as a young person. I never felt. It's funny looking back. I don't think that I ever doubted that I was going to go. It was just like a. Oh, like they'll, they'll get it, you know, like eventually, but they also, they trusted me. So that was a, you know, that was a thing. And, and also like, I think that I, I was able to really like advocate for this is what I want. This is, and being that clear, I think was really, yeah, doing the research and, and, uh, and I, I wasn't, I think I wasn't afraid at all, which is interesting to me now. And I think that that really influenced them hmm. being like, Oh, like they, they, they felt the confidence exuded yeah. <laughs> from you. Yeah. I was like, I'm going. And they were like, oh, well, all right. I guess so. <laughs> uh, it's funny. We could take this whole conversation and we could flip it and say that you were in school and then you discovered this thing called unschooling and you confidently approached your parents and and made that happen. And I feel like that's probably a more common story than the one that that yeah. you experienced. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe the common thread is, you know, doing your homework, knowing what you're getting yourself into acting with complete confidence and, <laughs> yeah. and just saying, this is what I'm doing. Are you going to support me or not parents? Yeah. And uh, ho- or not they, even, are they, you going to, but you're going to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, okay. So let's get on to your experience at Buxton. Uh, what so you had this kind of idea of what it was from visiting and reading about it online and hearing about it from your friend uh what was it like uh on the ground like what was it what you expected um i think it was yeah i think it i think it really was in the sense that it was just a place where there were a lot of you know, where I was able to, to learn and be supported in learning, which is something that I'd always, um, you know, valued and experienced in life in like my previous context. And, and so that felt very, very similar. And I think that like going, being there, people would be like, you are, you are homeschooled. Like, that's what, like, what are you even doing here? Like, how, is it hard to like be in school? And I think, or like, is it hard to be a boarding school? I think it wasn't even about the school. And the thing that I would always say at the time was it's like, well, no, cause like I'm still living where I'm going to school. Like, and that was like the thing uh, that. Good. Like, nice retort. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I know. I'm sorry. I still remember that. No, I was like, yeah, that was very, it felt very natural to me in, 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 in a lot of ways, just even though I was like in class, but I don't know. I liked it. I really liked the structure. And how did the classes go for you? The the eight to three schedule, five days a week. Were you, were you able to jump right into that without any issue? Yeah, I didn't like getting up, but I uh, and I didn't like having to be. The one thing that was hard was having to be in the dorm at ten. It's like why ten, 10 p.m. ten p.m. Yeah, you had uh, to be bed check. You know, all, it's like all those precious hours summer. until two a.m. That's. <laughs> That is yeah, the social the, the social witching hour there, yeah, or the the nature exploration hour. Yeah, so that was I think 
you know, that was funny, like trying to hide from your teachers and like in your friend's room and like run around. I don't know. Just funny, like shenanigans like that. But I think that it was, no, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was actually a very, I think in retrospect, a surprisingly smooth transition. I never felt like, what am I doing? Or like, this isn't what I should be doing or anything like that. If it was like, this Mm. is fun. This is exciting. This is, um, this is something that I, like learning is something that I enjoy. I'm good at it. And look at this place. It's all that anyone wants me to do. How great. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I feel like you were really the author of this experience. You were the one who made this happen. And so you had this, this automatic buy-in to the whole process. And maybe if there were some unsavory parts, you're like, well, you know, I, I just feel like there's such a difference between somebody in your situation and somebody who has always been to school and has always been expected to go to school and there's really no other option. Uh, it's it's easier for that person to feel maybe a little bit more resentful or resistant. Mm-hmm. Well, and there yeah. were people there like that were having that. Oh, yeah. T- tell me about that. Um, there were, I think, a lot of kids who were sent to boarding to this boarding school um, because they weren't doing well in public school and um, who were maybe some, some kids who came from, you know, like other schools that maybe you consider like a last chance school and kids who kind of were having a really hard time. And I think that this school, it was kind of like a really, you know, good, I mean, it was amazing because you, you, you got listened to at this school in a way that I think that a lot of kids never had experienced before and you were expected to be accountable for um, your actions in a way that I think that you aren't in other places. So people, you know, like if you did something that was against, there were no rules also, there were just um, guidelines or I forget what they called them, like agreements or something. And um, you, and if you broke an agreement or, um, you you had to talk about it for so long with your mm. teachers that it was like such a ha- like that was the worst part. It wasn't like there was a punishment that was meted out. It was like you just had to like talk about why and like what your feelings and everything. And so I think that that was a really interesting, which is something that I was sort of used to, but like watching it for other kids who were like, oh my god, like if I, I just actually have to talk about this. Can't you just punish me and let's be over with it? And I can be mad at you and then like, you know, do it again. Or like it's just, yeah. Yeah, Play so. out these traditional uh, adult child hierarchies. Come on. Why are you making, why are you trying to make us equal here? Right. Um, exactly. I, I hear a lot of uh, parallels to the way that not back to school camp works also with agreements and with discussions about agreement breaking. Um, so I, I, the Buxton school is getting some major points here as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Um, okay, so you found you found it pretty easy to integrate into this community. Did you find it easy to to make friends? I'm I'm sure there are people out there who wonder, like, oh, somebody who was homeschooled her whole life, thrown into a boarding a boarding prep school, you know, wouldn't she just be eaten alive? But it sounds like it was totally not the case. <laughs> it wasn't the case, and it wasn't the case maybe for for me for certain for certain reasons. But I also think that it was. I mean, I, I knew I had a friend there, but I think even going into the situation alone, I mean, they created a lot of context for, for people to, there, were, there weren't a lot of like um, grade hierarchies. So like people were thrown into certain things together. There were classes that were mixed grade and, you know, so you, and it was such a small place that 
you couldn't like you knew everybody and you knew things about people that you wish you didn't know and like things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was there was that kind of way that people weren't unkind to each other to the same level that um, I think can occur. But and so that had to do a lot with the place. And I also think that it it was kind of about like me feeling like I could really create whatever experience, just like having, having had the experience growing up of really creating my experience and feeling like, Oh, if I wanted to be friends with someone who went to school, like there was no separation for me. I didn't feel um, like any weirdness that came about um, like, Oh, you're homeschooled. It always felt like I was part of like something maybe like a little bit strange, but like very special. And I never felt like bad or like I needed, like I was, you know, different in a bad way. Like it was very clear to me that because I was so like, I don't know. I was just so. It it's, sounds to me like you were primed to have this kind of inclusive attitude about community and friends in a way like it, you're making me think of my own experience in public high school in California where there was 2000 teenagers mm. at the high school and it was all about groups and who you're supposed to talk to and who you're not supposed to talk to and all of these unwritten social rules and hierarchies and and a lot of people being really mean to each other uh, so it actually sounds like it's it, that actually maybe being a lifelong homeschooler and getting thrown into it the situation that, that I was in maybe would have been a lot more harsh. It sounds like Buxton was actually better matched for where you were coming from. Yeah, definitely. And there was, you know, of course there's some of that, like, you know, people just being like, but it was, it was so funny because it was on a very small scale. So it would be like two people being like, we're just going to hang out and no one else can come. And then you're like, okay, but I have like 88 other friends. So whatever. You know what I mean? But it was like a funny, like, and not that you were best friends with everyone else, but like, it was just, so it did happen in a little bit, but like in such a way that it, it never felt like you were the one who, who wasn't able to like mm. do the thing. Mm-hmm. The feeling of being completely alone. Yeah. Even, that never- uh, among a large community. Huh. That was actually um, something that was a little annoying is you were never completely alone. You, it was really <laughs> hard to be completely alone. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's move forward here, Emma. Uh, okay. <laughs> t- tell me, uh, let's relate your, your homeschooling up and unschooling upbringing to, uh, to life at a, uh, sounds like a pretty rigorous uh, boarding prep school. What do you feel like you were prepared well for at this school? And what do you feel like you were not prepared well for? You mean prepared by my homeschooling or unschooling experience? Yes, exactly. Um... I think that I was prepared really well in the sense that I was encouraged to enjoy learning. Um, so that it, learning was never framed as a chore or a task that had to be completed. There were certain aspects of it that were that way. You know, I wouldn't want to, you know, do whatever activity my mom had planned for me that day. And sometimes I would have to do it um, anyway, but it was never, uh, it was never like the day in day out kind of stories that I've heard from people who went to public school of like, you know, schooling and learning being framed as like a, a really like, you know, just the drudgery of, of that. And, and so I think that in that way, um, 
having it be such a positive pedagogy at the school that I could just really slip into that. And so that was mm-hmm. really great. And I think that the maybe one of the things that I that I wasn't prepared for thinking back probably like how probably certain things like maybe maybe having to be like in like a study hall environment or like having like with the free time, they would sometimes really want you to do something else with that time. And, and I kind of wanted to be like, well, you know, I'm gonna, of course I'm gonna do something else, but like, I don't want to necessarily tell, tell you what I'm going to do. Like, do I have to? And, and I was pretty flexible, but that was like, I think one of the things that was more confusing. And I think that I resisted that. Um, and because I was, I kind of had like good academic standing. I was able to like slip out of certain things that I don't think everyone was able to slip out of that maybe um, I just, yeah, I didn't, I really didn't like being in study hall and I really didn't like having to go to study hall during the day during my free periods. And I would, and that was really challenging for me. So it sounds like you were pretty used to managing your own time and these the school was all of a sudden trying to manage your free time for you and say like, you have free time with an air quotes here, <laughs> mm-hmm. but really you should be studying during this free time. Right. And, and then you felt like, listen, I'll get my studying done on my own time. Just, <laughs> just get off my back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, what do you think that Buxton school had to offer that uh, was, that was really valuable to you? And if you did not go to school, you don't, and if you had continued unschooling through the rest of your your high school years, you you wouldn't have gotten. What, what's something uniquely valuable valuable you think you got from this school experience? I think on, I think the most direct, tangible um, thing that I experienced, po- like through Buxton, that I wouldn't have experienced was going to Bard. Um, I don't know that I would have chosen to go to Bard if I hadn't gone to Buxton, and I don't know that I would have. Um, been like as prepared academically um, to even apply to a college um, that in that Cause, way because Buxton was a, a college prep school like everyone was expected to go on to a four year university in some shape right yeah exactly that was the that was the expectation there were some people that didn't but that was definitely like kind of worked into the selling points of you know why you go there too yeah. So just based on the trajectory that you you had back at age 12, let's say, do you, do you feel like you just wouldn't have kind of had enough interest in doing all the academic stuff that would have let, led up to you having a competitive uh, college admission kind of profile that, would, that got you into BARD? I don't, I guess it was more like maybe I would have done something just a little bit less I mean, I think that that going to Buxton set the tone for me to to be in like academia in this way. And I think that otherwise I might have had something. I think I would have continued to have like a rigorous, some kind of rigorous program. And I, I think I would have, but I think I maybe would have done more travel post mm. like teenhood or high school age than I ended up doing Um because I think that I kind of fell very much into like, you know, the 
the tradition, more traditional um, liberal arts thing, whereas I maybe would have looked um, in a more expanded way for that same level of engagement, but some in some other in some other maybe less structured way. Huh. Do I do I detect a, a, a very slight hint of kind of regret or second guessing here? Like, did, am I hearing that you kind of slipped into this kind of college prep trajectory, and you're you're still not quite sure if that was the the best thing for you? Yeah, I think I think so. I think that I mean I'm you know I obviously I'm really grateful that I had all the experiences that I had and Bard. I learned so much at Bard, and I'm really grateful for that. But I there's a part of me that that wonders, like you know, I, I for one, like I wouldn't have the amount of debt that I have now, which compared to a lot of people who go to, um, you know, private liberal arts colleges, it's not an incredible amount, but it's still, you know, something that informs the choices that I have to make now. Um, And I also, you know, I think that, that those two things actually, like what I didn't, you know, the kind of the more traditional mode of of education that I ended up having for those four years, plus the structure that debt puts onto your life in a certain way, mm-hmm. even if it's very subtle, has made me feel a little bit less free than I felt, for example, when I was 14 years old thinking about going to, going to Buxton. Even though I feel very much like what I'm, you know, what I want out of life and education and learning is very much the same. So that's kind of an interesting thing, like not necessarily having the foresight at 14 to be like, oh, I'm going to a prep school and this is going to bring me on this path and like, then I'm going to get a job. I don't know, just certain. Sometimes I can feel a little bit like I'm, I'm very much in this way that I, that I didn't necessarily see myself going into at that time mm-hmm. or even now. Yeah. Well, this is really interesting. I feel like we could spend another 40 minutes discussing just this situation that you find yourself in at this very moment. Yes, but, definitely. Uh, <laughs> this seems like a good moment to, uh, to wrap it up. Any other lingering thoughts about your transition from a, a homeschooler and unschooler to uh, somebody who went into school? Do you, does it overall feel like you, know, you took the right path and that you're, you're happy you did it? Yeah, I think that um, I think that Buxton was just. I mean, it was definitely it was life changing, and it was it really expanded um, my understanding of like educator student relationships, and um, you know, it really it gave me incredible amount of access to like to knowledge that I didn't that I didn't know that I had, you know, as a homeschooler, I think that having it all, all there was really amazing because before I really had to seek it out. And there was suddenly this, um, just this like little bubble of, it was all right there for me and I could just like pick it up if I wanted to. And I did. So that I think, um, there, yeah, that, I think that's something that I value the most about, about that experience. Emma, thanks for taking the time to talk about this. Thank you, Blake. If you enjoyed this ad-free podcast, there are many ways you can support it. 
You can leave a review on iTunes. You can share it on social media with your friends or enemies. You can upload it onto a thumb drive, multiple thumb drives actually, and then maybe hundreds of them and throw them out into the street in a public area like confetti or like rice at a wedding. You can email it to someone who might benefit from it or you can support it directly at offtraillearning.com slash support.